Jesus' friends were arguing. Who, who was the most important helper in God's kingdom? They wanted to know. I am, said, uh, James said. No, you're not, said Peter. I am. Nonsense, Matthew said. I'm the cleverest. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, no, am too. And this silliness went on and on like that for some time. You see, Jesus' friends had started thinking that they had to do something to make themselves special to Jesus. That if they were the cleverest or the nicest or something, Jesus would like them best. But they had forgotten something. Something God had been teaching his people all through the years, that no matter how clever you are, or how good you are, or how rich you are, or how nice you are, or how important you are, none of it makes any difference. Because God's love is a gift. And as anyone will tell you, the whole thing about a gift is it's free. All you have to do is reach out your hands and take it. So while Jesus' friends were arguing, some people who knew all about getting gifts, in fact, you might say they were gift experts, had come to see Jesus. Who were they? They were little children. Jesus' helpers tried to send them away. Jesus doesn't have time for you, they said. He's too tired. But they were wrong. Because Jesus always had time for children. Don't ever send them away, Jesus said. Bring the little ones to me. Now, if you had been there, what do you think? Would you have had to line up quietly to see Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have asked you how good you'd been before he'd give you a hug? Would you have had to be on your best behaviour and get dressed up and not speak until you're spoken to? Or would you have done just what these children did and run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and then sit you on his lap and listen to your stories and to your chats? You see, children love Jesus and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was to run into his arms, and that's just what they did. Well, after all the laughing and games, Jesus turned to his helpers and said, No matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart, full of trust in God. Be like these children, because they are the most important in my kingdom. Thank you. Okay, you all did such excellent signing earlier. I've got some more signs to teach you because basically when I read this story, when I say one of four of the key words, we all need to do the action. So kids, are you ready to, to learn some signs as well? Okay, so the first one we're going to learn is old. So we have to do it like we've got a really wise old beard. <laughs> Does he? And then, okay, so let's practice. If I say old, wonderful. If I say little, we have to put our hands together like this, okay? If I say heard, we have to put our hands behind our ears. And if we say together, we have to shake our other hand. Okay, should we give it a whiz? I'll give you a little test, not in the same order. If I say heard, if I say old, I don't know why I said that in such a strange choice, old. If I say together and little, fantastic. So I'm going again, to read the story. Do it again, do it again. 
I'm going to read the story, and when I say one of those words, we need to do the actions. Okay, are we ready? It's not a race, but it is quite fast-paced. Okay, so be prepared. Okay. I can do it. Right, Eva, you can stand there. I need to read. I need no, to I'll read it, and you'll just listen to the word, won't you? Okay, ready? A long, long time ago, there was a woman called Hannah. That? She was sad because she did not have any children. Her husband, Elkanah, tried to comfort her, saying, Don't be sad. We have each other. We'll stick together. But still, Hannah was sad. And every year, when Hannah's family went to a special place to worship God, a big tent set up in Shiloh, Hannah would pray that God would give her a little child. There was an old priest in Shiloh called Eli. He was faithful to God, but he was old and his children were misbehaving. Not very good priest material. Old Eli saw Hannah praying one year and they talked together. He added his prayer. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. And God heard Hannah's prayer. Soon after, Hannah had a little son. Who she named? Samuel. Samuel. And she and Elkanah loved him very much. But Hannah did not forget how God had heard her prayer and how old Eli had prayed for her. So when Samuel was still little, maybe as old as you were when you started school, Hannah took him back to Eli at the tent of worship. God heard my prayer and gave me little Samuel. Now I want to give him back. He will live here with you, Eli, and help you serve God, she told old Eli. You forgot to underline that. Don't worry. So Samuel stayed with old Eli and helped with all of the little things, lighting candles, running errands, and the big things, like praying and worshipping. Old Eli and little Samuel served God together. He even wore a priest's robe. And every year, Hannah would make Samuel a special little robe, just his size, and bring it to him when she visited. One night, when little Samuel was trying to go to sleep in the special tent, he heard someone call his name. Samuel! Samuel! Of course, he thought it must be old Eli needing some help with something. So he ran to Eli and said, I heard you call my name. Here I am. What do you need? Eli rubbed his tired old eyes. Well, son, you heard wrong. I didn't call your name. Go back to bed. But before little Samuel had a chance to go back to sleep, there it was again. Samuel! Again, he ran back to old Eli. I heard you call my name. Here I am. But again, Eli told him that he had in fact not called his name and Samuel really needed to go to bed now. Now? Right now. When it happened a third time and Eli was woken up again, the old priest wondered if perhaps there was something else going on. He told Samuel, Samuel, I think you heard God. I think God wants to speak with you. So Samuel went back to bed and soon again he heard... Samuel, Samuel. And the little boy answered, I've heard you call my name now. I'm listening, ready to serve. 
And God spoke to him about what was going on in the country, what was good, what was bad, and what needed to be done about it. Samuel told old Eli, and they worked for God together. And Samuel, who was only little, heard God and became a very important prophet, speaking for God to the people of Israel. Well done, everybody. <laughs> I wanted to add some extra actions in, but I thought I might confuse everyone. You did really well. There was a bit of a flurry right in the last second there, wasn't there? Um, okay. So two stories there. One of Jesus uh, and how Jesus welcomed the children to himself. Uh, and then the other one about Eli and Samuel. Eli the old priest and Samuel the young child, the young man. And out of these two stories, and really the, th- the thing that we want to draw out together is this, is that we need each other in the family of God. We do. We need each other in the family of God. One group of people are not more important than another. What we saw in those stories is that Jesus did not look down on children. And what we saw in the story of Samuel and Eli was that young and old can work together to serve God. And I think both are very helpful, even if just starting points for us, to really think about what it is to be the family of God. Now, last week, if you were here, Ian had a brilliant picture uh, that he shared about some time that um, when they were in Paris, uh, up the Eiffel Tower, and looking out over the city. And the word that Ian brought was about how God's perspective on things, how he sees different situations that we're, in, that we're going through in our life, is often very different from the way that we see things that are going through in our life. How sometimes the things that seem huge to us, actually God sees them in a different way and God can act and move in those situations. But here is, if we can have the first picture up, uh, please Janet, here is a picture of Paris. Okay? <laughs> Looking at it from the top down, so a satellite picture, what we might call an aerial view. But if I were to ask you to tell me, looking at that picture, can you tell me what the tallest building is in that picture? I think we would probably struggle to be able to tell. Oh, you're having a, having a good go, are you, Harvey? There. You could be pointing anywhere, mate, at the minute, and I wouldn't have a clue. You could well be right. If we can have the next picture. Oh. But look, if we look at it from a different view, can we see the answer becomes so much clearer? Because our perspective has shifted. I think if you can see the screen, you should be able to see fairly easily what is the tallest building in that city. There we go. So we can see right there, we've got the Eiffel Tower. See, when we look at a town from above, every building looks similar in height. But when we're on the street, we can see that some buildings are really tall. And some are low, and you have many in between. Eva, you need to go and sit down. And we see things differently from different perspectives, don't we? And God looks at us from different perspectives than how we may look at one another. So I think what Ian brought last week was great. God sees our situations and our circumstances from a different perspective. But actually we can apply the same truth in that God looks at us and sees us in a different perspective than perhaps how we might look at one another. You see, when we look around at each other, like I asked us to do at the beginning of of our time together, at the beginning of our service, we can immediately see differences between us. But what can happen is that when we see differences between us, 
We can also sometimes see barriers and we can see difficulties in the fact that we are different. But in the Bible stories that we listen to, we see that God doesn't look at us like that. Yes, he sees what is different. And actually, there is much about our differences that is to be celebrated. But also, God also sees what is true in all of us. God also sees when he looks at us that everyone is loved, that everyone is important, and that everyone can do great things for him. Everyone is loved. Everyone is important and everyone can do great things for him. In the story of Jesus blessing the children, his disciples weren't surprised that Jesus didn't look at the children. Sorry, his disciples were surprised that Jesus didn't look at the children in the same way as they did. From their perspective, the little kids were, they were unimportant. They couldn't yet hold important positions in the synagogue. They couldn't go out and make money. They were just noisy in the way and stopping Jesus from getting on with the important stuff that Jesus needed to get on to. But here we see this is one of the few times in the Bible where we read that Jesus got angry. He got angry at his disciples for their attitude towards how they saw the children who were coming to Jesus. His disciples saw the children as unimportant by the standards of the society in which they lived. But in contrast, Jesus saw the children's easy joy. He saw their faith. He saw their sense of wonder. All of those things that have been so easily overlooked by his followers. And he told those grumpy disciples that actually it was they who needed to become more like the children if they wanted to follow Jesus. In lots of stories in the Bible, we read about Jesus talking to and respecting not just children, but anyone that the, Bible, that the people around him saw as less than valuable. It was as if Jesus looked at all the people around him in the crowd and saw them as equals. Whether they were, sh uh, whether they were short, tall, rich, poor, disabled, married, single, and so on and so on. We could put out loads of different categories. But Jesus saw them all as equals. It says in Romans 2 verse 11 that God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. You know, we know that God sees value in everyone. And God has put us together as a church family so that we can serve one another and we can appreciate our different gifts and our different perspectives. In the story of Samuel and Eli, we see that there is something beautiful and rich when old and young serve God together. This is so on my heart at the moment for us as a church. I'm going to say that again because I wholeheartedly believe this. There is something beautiful and rich when old and young serve God together. <coughs> Eli knew all the things about how to run the special place of worship, about the tent of meeting, and he taught Samuel these skills. He passed on what he knew and Samuel was able to hear God in a way that Eli wasn't. They needed each other. Old Eli, young Samuel, they needed each other and they worked together for God's glory. What we're going to do in just a moment, Steph's going to come and help us because we're going to pray into this because we're going to pray that God would help us to grow 
as his family, that we would be those that would work together, not in spite of our differences, but because of our differences, and actually because of what is true of all of us. But I just want to, we won't have time to do this now, but there's just a couple of questions that I'd just like us to ponder. And I'll send these out during the week because I think they're questions that are, uh, we, we should be thinking about and spending some time dwelling upon. The first question is this, is when have you learned something about God or about how to be a Christian from someone who is very different from yourself? Could have been someone very old or very young or someone from a different country or background. But it's well worth thinking, actually, who has helped me grow? In my life, who has helped me or taught me something about God, what it is to be a follower of Jesus? And then actually the next question, and this is something that I really feel is key for us at this moment. How could you develop relationships with people from your church who seem quite different to you? Because I don't think that these things will just happen. I think these are things that we have to be intentional about and give thought into how could we develop relationships with people from the church who seem quite different to you, whether people of different ages, with different backgrounds, from different nations, in all of our differences, how can we uh, really celebrate that and grow together in fellowship and in relationships? Steph, will you come and help us uh, in our prayers? your prayers to a close. Psalm 71, it says this, it says, Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvellous deeds. Even when I am old and grey, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation. God, Father of all, we pray for our church that we will see each other as you see us equally valuable and able to serve you. We pray for those of us who have lived a long time. Help us not to tire of declaring your marvellous deeds. Remind us how important it is to speak of you and show your love to those in the generations below us. And we pray for those of us who are young. Help us not to doubt our value in your kingdom or wait around for the future, but to serve you today. Thank you that you want to teach and train us from our youth. Help us to hear you, and also those who are older who have gone before. We pray for those of us who feel different or on the outside in our community. Thank you, Father, for the example of Jesus, including the outsiders and those looked down upon. Help us to know our intrinsic value and be brave enough to serve you just as we are. In the name of God the Father who made us all, in the name of God the Son, Jesus who died for us all, and God the Holy Spirit who empowers all who ask. Amen. Amen.